There are some who believe that before Jesus Christ died, before the Mount Calvary, that all you had to do was just, uh, you know, believe the Gospel of John. And you didn't have to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can be saved and not believe that. And that causes me a little bit of trouble. So they said that, you know, how could they, before the cross, believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ when Christ hadn't been killed and resurrected yet? So how could they believe in the death, burial, and resurrection? And many times we say, well, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the death, burial, and resurrection. Well, the death, burial, and resurrection is the foundation upon which the good news is built. So they say there's different kinds of gospels. It's true because there was the gospel of the kingdom. And whenever John the Baptist came preaching, he preached the gospel of the kingdom that Christ was coming and they're going to set up the kingdom. And that was the good news. God, word gospel means good news. And then there's the, the gospel of Jesus Christ that we preach today. And we always include the death, burial, and resurrection. Every time I do the hand gesture, you'll notice I say Christ took our sin and he died for it on the cross, came back from the dead. I say that every time I do it. I've been doing it for 40-something years. So I, I teach that. But there's others saying, now, you don't need to talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ because you guys do just, just believe in Jesus and you have eternal life. So then you've got to get into, what, what do you mean by believe? Well, to believe that he is the one that has eternal life and if you'll accept it, uh, he'll give it to you without understanding any of the other stuff. And it's kind of caused some confusion. Well, I, I believe that there's not two Gospels. I believe there's just one story. I believe before Christ, after Christ, it's still the same story. And that uh, they weren't saved a different way before and were saved a different way after. I think we're all saved the same way. I don't think we're saved two different ways. I think if God ever saved anybody two different ways, one way in the Old Testament, one way, you could say, well, that wasn't fair. No, that wasn't fair. But it's the same way for everyone. Which is the easiest? To look forward to the day that a payment would be made and trust it by faith that Messiah was coming? Or is it easier for us today to look back to a payment that was made? Both require what? Faith. So they look forward and we look back. Which is the easiest? I don't think there's no easier. I'm just thankful that we have a more complete message today because he's already come and done it. But it's hard to get people to believe that he did come and did that, as it would have been before that, to believe that he was coming. So here in Galatians in chapter 3, look in verse 8. And the scripture, when you see and it is written and the scripture says, it generally it always refers to the Old Testament. It means it was recorded in time past. And here in verse 8, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. So the gospel, the good news, is that you're justified by faith. The heathen, that's the lost man. The heathen is justified through faith. Preached before the, get this, the gospel unto Abraham. Saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. And that phrase, we know, means is talking about Jesus Christ. And the people of the world will be blessed because of the one person who came from Abraham. Look right there while you're in Galatians in chapter 3. Uh, look in uh, verse 16, because I want to show you this in just a second in the Old Testament. In verse 16, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, 
The main promise was that he would justify the heathen through faith. That would, that's the good news. So Abraham, who lived 430 years before the law was ever given, he was saved the same way we're saved. And he says here, He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So Abraham was supposed to know and understand that God was talking about the Messiah. The Messiah is going to come, and he's going to make a death payment for the sins of the world, and he's going to justify those that simply believe. And the Bible says that Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. See in verse 6, even as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now take your Bible and turn all the way over there to Genesis in chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Did they know anything about the death and the resurrection of the Messiah in the Old Testament? Did they have to believe what we believe? Or was it simply something different altogether? I believe it's pretty much the same story. Look what he says in verse 3 of chapter 12. And I will bless them that bless thee. This is God speaking to Abraham, saying what he's going to do. And curse him that curses thee. And in thee, Abraham, shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now that thee also refers to Christ. Because Abraham was going to have a son down the road, the Messiah, through which the whole world would be blessed because of that. God told Abraham that. Am I supposed to believe that Abraham was told all these things, but Abraham didn't understand any of it? No, I don't believe that. Abraham already knew that he was going to a city whose builder and maker was God, to another country. He knew that he wasn't going to be here upon the earth forever. He knew that. And he also knew that if he did slay his own son, that God was going to do what with him? Raise him from the dead. He ought to believe in the resurrection of Christ. I believe he understood a lot more than what people think. Look in Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15 and look in verse 5. Here he says, God speaking to Abraham. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven. Tell the stars or count the stars. If thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. That's exactly what we just read just a minute ago over there in the New Testament, in the book of Galatians. We just read that. He believed in the Lord. But what did he believe? And it says right before that, so shall thy seed be. That word seed refers to Christ because we read that in chapter 3, that that's what the word means. Am I supposed to believe that Abraham didn't understand none of this stuff? I, I do believe he understood. They knew what they were talking about. And even before the writing of the scriptures, the Bible says that God spoke through the signs in the heavens. Remember the 12 signs of the zodiac? Everybody talked today about the horoscope and all that. 12 signs of the zodiac, that was designed by God, not man. Man twisted it and turned it into something else, but God said that's how he used to speak. Those were stories, and the stories were told in the stars. That's book, written in the book of the Psalms 19. It's also mentioned in the book of uh, Romans in chapter 10. How that their line is going out through all the earth. And the sun that comes out and runs into a circuit in a journey. And talking about Christ. And uh, all these things, they mean something. And there were stories that they told. 
And so they understood. I believe they knew a lot more than what we give them credit for. And so when he says there, he believed in the Lord. He believed what God said about the seed. And the seed was Christ. He believed what he said about Christ. Now look there in chapter 22. Chapter 22. And notice here. When he makes the statement in verse 17... I'll just look in verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son. See, Abraham was a type of God himself. And he was not willing to withhold his own son, which was Isaac, from being slain upon an altar. He was willing to do it. He even pulled his knife up and ready to plunge it into the sun. And God stayed his hand. And there was a ram caught in the thicket, and then God used, says, use that for the offering. But this is what God, the Father, did, and that he did not withhold his only begotten son. God only had one. Abraham offered up his son Isaac on the very same mountain, Mount Moriah, that where Christ was crucified, Mount Calvary. Same place. So am I supposed to believe that he didn't understand nothing that was going on? No, I believe he did. He knew what the seed referred to. He knew what the type referred to. Otherwise, all these types in the Old Testament, you would think that they didn't understand none of those things. The tabernacle itself, which was made after the one in heaven, was a tabernacle, and that was like, that's Christ. Christ actually came into the world in a body form, but he was God, tabernacled in this tent, in that body. And in the Old Testament, the Shekinah glory, the Holy Spirit, would come down and rest over the holy place, or the Holy of Holies, in the Ark of the Covenant. So did, did they understand? I, I believe they understood an awful lot. Now notice, when he makes a statement here in verse 17, he says, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of the enemy. And in thy seed, which is Christ, because we know that from the other scripture, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. And God preached the gospel unto Abraham, and in all nations, he then is going to be justified by faith. So if that was told to Abraham, and we're justified by faith today, Weren't they justified by faith? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for right. He was justified by faith. So everybody had been saved by faith the same way. I don't believe there's a message before the cross and a message after the cross. The only difference is they believed that he was going to be crucified and resurrected. And we look back and believe that he was already crucified and resurrected. So, But it's the same faith in the same person doing the same thing. He made a payment for the sins of the world. And while you're right there... Look there in uh, verse 7. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and says, My father. And he says, Here am I, my son. And he says, Behold, the fire and the wood. Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? I wonder why he asked the question like that. Because they knew they went up there to make a sacrifice. And maybe the son hadn't been told everything. But I believe Abraham knew. And then it says here in verse 8, and Abraham said, My son, God will provide what? Himself a what? A lamb. Not that God's going to provide a lamb. God's going to provide himself a lamb. So I believe that Abraham knew God 
is going to provide a lamb himself to be the payment. And it says there in the last part of it, so they went both of them together. And then it tells about God staying his hand and it was a ram and so forth. But how much did Abraham understand? I believe that he understood enough that he talked about, because that's what all this stuff's about. About a substitution, a payment being made by the Messiah. Look now in Leviticus in chapter 14. Exodus, Leviticus 14. The one thing that leprosy does in the Bible, leprosy represents sin, an incurable disease. But if a man could be healed of an incurable disease, it would have to be a, a miracle. And God says that when you're healed, it's almost like coming back from the dead because you had the sentence of death upon you. There was no cure for it. So look in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This shall the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing, shall be the law. He shall be brought unto the priest. And the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed, healed in the leper, then shall the priest command to take for him, that is to be cleansed, now get this, and you ought to underline this in your Bible there. Two birds alive. Two birds alive. And clean and cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed. Only one bird would be killed. Hyssop was like a little bush that they had down in Egypt that they would take and sprinkle the blood upon the doorposts and so forth when God was going to go called the Passover. God would pass over the home that had the blood applied. This is why we sing the song about the blood been applied and uh, the Passover. And so God says that I will pass over the home where the blood's been applied. And that's the same thing to us. Every person who accepts Christ's blood is applied to you and God, the angel of death, passes over you. So isn't it wonderful? But the types were there. But get what he says. In verse 5, And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it, and for the cedar wood, and the scarlet, and the hyssop, and shall dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. Now, this is a picture of the death and the burial, and the resurrection. This is a picture of resurrection. You see, they had to use two living birds, but one bird would be killed, and the blood of that bird would be put upon the other bird that was still alive, and it would be released and free to fly. So it was like the bird died and lives again. But that was because a person with leprosy had been healed, cleansed, you and I, when we believe on Jesus Christ and we have an incurable disease of sin, we cannot save ourselves. So whenever we trust Christ as Savior, His blood is applied to us and it's like we are free and we are able to leave and not die. That's why He said, if a man believe in me, he shall never die. Because, But in the Old Testament, they, this is a way of illustrating the, the resurrection. They had to use two birds. Can't you see that? 
I see that. I got no problem with this. I believe they understood the death, substitution, somebody has to die, and the resurrection is you being cleansed because of it. And you live because one died. Look over there in verse 48. The last line there in verse 48 says, because the plague is healed. Because not sometimes just a person, but a plague can come upon a house. And this is what they were supposed to do. Because one person got leprosy, somebody else can get leprosy, and next thing you know, you got a bad case on your hands. And the reason they talk about outside the camp was because it was outside the city walls. They had to be declared unclean and stay away from everybody and to dwell and be alone. But look what he says there in verse 49. And he shall take to cleanse the house two birds, and down in verse 50, and one shall be killed, and down in verse 51, and he shall take the cedar wood and the hyssop and the scarlet and the living bird, dip them in the blood of the slain bird in the running water, and he gets set free. He gets to go free because that's a type of the death and resurrection. Am I supposed to believe they, they did all this for 1,500 years and had no clue what was going on? Then it would be nothing more than a ritual with no meaning. I don't believe that. I believe there was an understanding. They had to understand the sacrifices that were made because God told them over and over again that they, it, it doesn't take away sin. It was always they were looking forward to a payment that would be made. Now, take your Bible and look in the 16th Psalm. The 16th Psalm. Psalm 16, written by David. David lived a thousand years before Christ. And you're talking about 500 years after Moses. Almost a thousand years after Abraham. That's a long time. That's kind of like in the middle, wouldn't it be? He lived under the law. But Abraham, well, he was saved by faith alone. And look what he says here in chapter 16. As David writes this, am I supposed to believe when he gets down here that he doesn't understand what he's writing? Look there in verse 8. He says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. Now, if you're talking about my flesh, my body, when I die, my body goes to the grave. My body rests in hope. It's going to come back again from the dead. You say, how do I know it's talking about the resurrection? Well, it says so. It says so in the New Testament. It tells that this is what this is talking about. So did David believe in the death and the resurrection, the resurrection of the body? Yeah, they do it. Look what he says in verse 10. For thou will not leave my soul in hell. Hell did not always mean the place of torment. It's the place of the departed dead. Sheol in the Old Testament, Hebrew is Sheol. In the New Testament, it's Hades. And that's Greek. But it means the place of the departed dead. So when you said a man dies and goes to hell, well, there was two compartments, one place of paradise, one place of torment. But they both went to the place of hell. Christ, the Bible says, he went to the place of hell. But he didn't go to the suffering part. He went to the paradise part, and that's where he was because he said he would lead captivity captive. And he told the man on the cross that was going to die, he says, today shalt thou be with me where? Place of torment? No, that scared the guy to death. I ain't going with you. He said, I'm going to the place of paradise. And so notice what he says in verse 10. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine, and you ought to get this, the word holy one doesn't refer to David. David never refers to himself as the holy one, but the Messiah, to see corruption, 
That means that even though he knows he's going to die, that his body is not going to be left in the grave more than three days because corruption starts on the fourth day. Did they understand and know that the Messiah was going to die and be buried and come back again from the dead? I think so. I believe they believe that. You take that out and you don't have nothing about salvation hardly in the Old Testament. What does it all mean? What did all the sacrifices mean? If they, if they didn't mean something, then they didn't know what it meant. and They just did a ritual. No, I believe there's people today that go to church and don't understand why. I believe there's people who give money and don't understand why. I believe there's people that baptize but never really understand. But that doesn't annul the fact that we should understand it and that there are some people that do know the truth. Think of how many people today are in church today and have not a clue on how to get to heaven. Ain't got a clue. But that doesn't annul the fact that we're still saved by faith and we can know it and that I know it and chances are you know it and that we know that we're saved by faith. Well, just because of a lot of people that didn't understand what was said, I believe there were some people that did and there was always a remnant. So he makes a statement there in verse 9 and 10. I believe he's talking about the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when you go to the book of Acts in chapter 2, it refers to this. Just to do it very quickly. Very quick. Look over there in the book of Acts in chapter 2. I think it's important for you to see this in connection with this. Because there's people that are very easily led astray and many are being discouraged. Because they don't even know what to preach anymore. They don't know, well, how much do I say? Just believe on Jesus. Yeah, I believe in believing on Jesus. But there's a foundation that you have to understand. Otherwise, what does that mean? Trust Him for what? You've got to understand the story. You've got to understand Jesus Christ died and paid for my sins. Came back from the dead. But you'll notice in chapter 2, look what he says there in verse 25. And David speaketh concerning him. Says David was talking about the Messiah, Christ. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. This is what we just read in chapter 16, written a thousand years before. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh also shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to seek corruption. Verse 28, thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy in thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me speak freely unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Get this in verse 30. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn to him that a Messiah was coming through his loins, would sit upon the throne. He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ. So did he know about the resurrection of the Messiah? Yes. In the Old Testament. Spake of this, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. I have no problem in understanding this. This seems like it's so simple, it's so clear. And I don't have to go back and try to make it say something it doesn't say. No, it says what it says. It's just a matter of, will I believe what God's Word says? Look in Isaiah 53. The book of Isaiah, in chapter 53. This is a very, very familiar portion of Scripture. As you know, in verse 
1 through the end of this chapter. This whole chapter is talking about the Lord. Am I supposed to believe that Isaiah used of God to write this, but he didn't know what he was talking about? No, I believe he understood what he was talking about. And up there in verse 5 and so forth, he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity, cast tithing of our peace was upon him, so forth. Verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Well, he didn't lay it upon Isaiah. It wasn't upon David. It was upon his son. See there in verse 1, talks about the arm of the Lord revealed. He was come up as a tender plant, talking about Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And then he tells this, in verse 8, he was taken from prison and from judgment. Talking about Jesus Christ. Who shall declare his generation? There's no such thing as the Da Vinci Code. Nobody can claim his, from him. They didn't come from him. That whole movie they're talking about, and so millions and millions of books, is nothing more but to make money and to debunk Christianity. It's a shame and a disgrace that any Christian would even buy the book. I hope none of y'all ever have and never go see the movie. It's junk. It's slop. Christ died. He never did marry Mary Magdalene. He never had any kids after that. There were no such thing. That story's made up. This book is true. But anyway, now that I've got my humble opinion on, he says there in verse 8, Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. With his, and made his grave with the wicked. So this is the Messiah. He's going to die for the sins of the world. And he was put in the grave. Is that all in the Old Testament or not? Is it here? It's here. And with the rich in his death, he was buried in a rich man's tomb. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. In verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for what? No man can be an offering for anybody's sin. But they knew that the Messiah was. They had trouble understanding and discerning the time between the sufferings of the Messiah and the glory that should follow. They didn't know when it was going to happen, but they knew that the Messiah was going to die and the Messiah was going to come and reign. But when, they didn't understand. The disciples didn't even understand that. They couldn't put their finger on when it is. That's why one of them said, I'm not going to believe it unless I see him. But anyway... Look back there in verse 10. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. He's going to be put to death, go into the grave, but he's going to come back from the dead. And that's what he's talking about, prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see, that means after he's dead, he's going to see the travail of his soul, shall be satisfied by his knowledge, shall my righteous servant. This is a phrase never mentioned to anybody else except the Messiah. My righteous servant, and you ought to underline those two words, do what? Justify many. Not everybody, but everybody that comes to him. For he shall bear their what? Bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. He was up there along with the two thieves on the cross. And he bare the sin of many. And made intercession for the transgression. Nobody, you think this is in the Old Testament. You don't think they understand what they was talking about? I do. I believe they believed in the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Messiah. But they were looking forward to the cross. And we look back to the cross. Faith both ways. They got to take it by faith that what God said is true. And we look back believing that it was true. And we sold both, saved by faith. Everybody saved the same way. 
No man's ever been saved any other way. If they think so, I'd just like them to show me chapter and verse. Now take your Bible and look there in the book of Luke, chapter 24. Luke and chapter 24. This is a very interesting portion of Scripture. Because if you'll notice there in verse 21, Christ has been crucified. He's come back from the dead. And then verse 21, he had come alongside of several individuals. And, uh, well, they were having some doubts about what was going on. He said, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which went early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came saying, when they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. Certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then Christ, speaking to the two disciples, said of them, O fools, slow of heart to believe, get this, all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Didn't the Old Testament prophets prophesy this? In other words, they're talking about, we thought this was the one. And he's been crucified. And today's the third day. He says, old fool and slow of heart to believe. Don't you know that the Old Testament prophets prophesied of what's happening right now? So if that's true, then wasn't his death, burial, and resurrection told in the Old Testament then? Because I listened to some guys and they said, well, you know, it's not in the Old Testament. I thought, you don't know your Bible. You didn't already had your Hebrew and your Greek and gone to 45 years, four or five years into, into seminary and you don't know it and you don't understand this? Then they ought not be preaching. But get what he says. In verse 27, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, that's Old Testament, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he must have opened up their minds where they could see so many things in the scriptures in the Old Testament that they didn't know. We have people today that got a Bible in their home but don't read it and don't study it, so they don't know what's in the Bible, do they? Don't you think that back then they did things and they didn't understand it either? But that doesn't mean that God didn't tell it and that there wasn't a remnant that did understand it. Look what it says in verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written, were written in the law of Moses, in the prophets, in the Psalms concerning me. Well, weren't they supposed to believe on Jesus Christ in the Old Testament? Even though it wasn't word Jesus Christ, it was Jehovah. And believing that God was going to send His Son. You read this first chapter, a second chapter of the book of Psalms, and it talks about, kiss the Son, lest He be angry. And my Son, my Son. And you can find many places where God talks about His Son. God had a Son. They knew He had a Son. And that He was going to send His Son. And He was going to be the King of glory. They understood an awful lot. Those that would believe. But he then makes this statement in verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. The scriptures is the Old Testament scriptures. They didn't have the New Testament. Verse 46. And he said unto them, thus it is written. That means in the Old Testament. Some of those verses we've already talked about. Like I used the illustration not long ago about Aaron's rod that budded. Remember the illustration on Easter Sunday? That was about the resurrection. Maybe he explained that story to them. 
And maybe he explained to them about those two birds, remember? One has to live and one has to die. Maybe he explained that story to them. Maybe he explained, uh, you know, the Isaiah in chapter 53 or, you know, Psalms uh, 16. Maybe he explained all those verses to them. But they knew. They were told. And then he says in verse 16, Thus it behooved Christ, get this, it was written in the Old Testament to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day. That's in the Old Testament. And how much of the Old Testament, I don't understand, but it's still there. Whenever Christ, they came to him one day, remember? And they said, Lord, give us a sign. A sign that we might believe. He said, this is an evil and adulterous generation. Seeketh after a sign, but there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the year, uh, in the whale's belly, even so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Do you think that the story of Jonah was a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Would you have ever thought that? But it's there. How much God revealed to their minds, I have no idea. But look at what he says here. In verse 46, Thus it is written, Thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and it hasn't stopped. So the message before Christ died is the same message we preach after Christ died. They say, well, there's a gospel before, and then there's a gospel afterward. I see one story. It's all one story. The story of redemption. Christ coming. He did it. We tell it. They told it. We tell it. Everybody is to hear the same gospel. And I believe that you're better off with a complete story. And then just saying, welcome. Just believe on Jesus. Just believe on Jesus. And there's a lot of people that just believe in Jesus. And they don't talk about what it means. And you've got to talk about the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to tell the story. That's the foundation for them to believe. And there's some religions, they talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And don't say what you've got to do to have eternal life. A lot of religions do that. Never make it clear. I want you to take your Bible and look there in the book of 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. This is what somebody believes is a different gospel than John's gospel. They're not two different gospels. There's only one gospel. One message that saves. In verse 1 he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory that I have what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. That means that Christ did not come back from the dead. But since he did, our faith is not in vain. Verse 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the what? That word. According to the Scriptures. Scriptures is the Old Testament. Christ died for our sins according to the Old Testament. Now, did they know about it? Am I supposed to believe that they didn't know that the Messiah was going to die according to the Scriptures? Why even bring that out if they didn't? And it's not true. It is true. Get to what else it says in verse 4. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to what? And we're not talking about New Testament. We're talking about Old Testament. So it's the same story. It doesn't say here anywhere that this gospel is a different gospel than they used to have. Their good news is not like our good news. It's the same good news. A man is justified by faith because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He paid for all of our sins when he died. That's why he can give it to us as a free gift. It's one story, not two stories. It's one.
There's a few other things I got down here I wanted to bring, but I'll just let it rest with that. Anyway, I don't, I don't think you have any problem with this, but if somebody comes along, you can say, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I believe the whole Bible, and I believe the, the story. There's only one gospel that saves, and that's justification by faith, believing that Christ died and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day. Because there's some people think you don't even have to mention the resurrection of Christ or believe in that. Oh, that he paid for sin. Just, just believe on him for eternal life. No, it's one story. One story. This hand representing you and me. And the wall represents sin. We all have sin upon us. God, he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. He loves everybody in the whole world. It's the sin that we have a problem with. Because you see, our sins separates us from God. This hymn represents Jesus Christ, God. Our sin separates us from Him. That's why God hates sin. Because he, He's perfect and we're not. And He can't fellowship with us. We can't fellowship with Him. We can't go to heaven because of this sin. And God says that since we committed it, we have to pay for it. It's eternal separation from God in hell. But He loves us. He wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And nobody's perfect. Nobody is. We're all sinners. The Bible says we cannot save ourselves by the good deeds that we do. The only payment for sin that God would accept is the payment of death. This sin represents Jesus Christ. God in the flesh came into the world. Because he does love us, he took the sin. Paid for it on the cross. This was his way of showing us that he loves us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son whosoever in the world made it even whosoever believeth made it where anybody can have it it's not hard it's not complicated even a child can understand it that all they had to do is believe that he did it for them and he would put the payment to their account they'd go to heaven on what christ did for them if i offered you my tie and you accepted you'd have a, a tie if jesus christ walked in here and offered you eternal life and you accepted what would you have eternal life if it's eternal life and it lasts forever, then where are you going to go when you die? You go to heaven. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father, we do thank you so much for your word you've given us that a man can know that he has eternal life because of the death, burial, and resurrection. That you did it because you loved us. You sent your son, your only son. And Father, by believing on him, we have eternal life, free from our sins free from the condemnation of the law, to be free from the old nature. Father, one day we'll be with you in heaven. And even though we may, this side of eternity, our bodies go to the grave, that body will rest in hope because it simply is going to be resurrected, give a new life. And we, Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us. Help us to be clear, to stand for the, the whole story, not part of it. Believe in it. Our eternal life is because of the death, burial, and the resurrection of your Son. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.